Welcome to this week's episode of Relaunch My Life Radio. Well, honestly, with everything that is going on right now in the world, and especially obviously in Australia with the devastation of the bushfires, I really believe that now more than ever, it's vital for us to let go of the things that are holding us back and step into our highest versions of ourselves, step into leadership and be strong and courageous and let go of the small things that hold us back and hold us down in life. Kate is the founder of She, Australia's largest women's leadership and empowerment event. And over the last 15 years, she has really smashed through major glass ceilings and really stands for everything in terms of being able to rewrite our lives and our futures. She was once addicted to drugs, anorexic, and had social anxiety, but now she's a highly regarded leadership coach, sought after speaker, and is well known for her bullshit free approach, which I know you're going to love in this all access areas interview that I had with Kate Marie O'Brien. Welcome to Relaunch My Life Radio. I'm your host, Juliet Lever. And a few years ago, I personally relaunched my own life from being a workaholic, alcoholic, and chocoholic to now living a life of my own design. I'm on a mission to free you from an unfulfilling job or passionless life. And so with 10 minute tips and 30 minute interviews and stories to tune into, Tune in to Relaunch My Life Radio to discover your highest potential and feel inspired to live a life of zero regrets. If you want more, be sure to hit subscribe and visit us at www.relaunchmyliferadio.com for more. Awesome. Well, I am so excited to be having this conversation this afternoon with the beautiful Kate Marie O'Brien, founder of She. Kate, how are you doing today? Always learning and really good. Thanks for having me. Of course. (laughs) And I have wanted to interview you for a really long time and the desire grew even more so after I saw you facilitate the incredible She event in August in 2019 in Queensland. So congratulations, first of all, for pulling off an epic event. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. But I know that that's not all that you've done in your journey and in your career. And I think just for the listeners who perhaps haven't heard of you until now, can you give us maybe the dot point version of the Kate Marie O'Brien journey up till now? Ooh, okay. Fair enough. We, uh, so I've been doing this for 10 years and like in that 10 years, it's also been, been very progressional. Started with, you know, nothing as we all do when we're launching a vision and you know, worked for free for a number of years, built it up step by step, and then here we are now. But if we rewind the five years prior to that 10 years, I was working as a registered nurse, clinical nurse educator, working on big national contracts. Loved that job. Absolutely loved it. It was career fulfillment to, 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 you know, to the X. But I had the sort of dream offer on the table of the next part of that career, and that's when I realized that there was also something else that was pulling me and then came in and and that was the start of this 10-year journey. But Mm -hmm. also then if we rewind again 
prior to that five years, and we go back before then, there was real rock bottom stuff like anorexia, drug addiction, depression. So I think, you know, even though I've talked about the journey backwards, it's been one hang of a journey to get to here and filled with a whole lots of, you know, ups and downs and learning along the way and triumphs and failures built upon failures that led to successes. Mm, and I, that's why I'm so excited to have this chat with you today, because I really love your openness, your authenticity, and even, you know, what you shared around the drug addiction and the anorexia and really how that then paved the way for what you're doing now and those stepping stones in life. And I think it's really easy, don't you think, for us to tell people with the beauty of hindsight, oh, you know, don't worry, all of the shit that you're going through right now, there's a reason for it. But but how do people navigate that when they're actually living the shit every day and they maybe can't see the forest for the trees? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, it's it's what hindsight's beautiful, isn't it? Mm. I think uh, you, we've each got to do our best in the moment. And even if you are here listening to this podcast, then to be honest, you're way ahead of where I was when I was in my darkest moments because you're here listening to this podcast, which actually says that you're wanting more. So the fact that you're wanting more means that there's a start for you to build on. And then building on that is listening to things that give you that spark of possibility for what's next. And, you know, everyone who's listening to that is going to be at different levels. Some people are going to be feeling quite stuck. Or some people are going to be like at a good level, but like stuck at that good level and wanting the next thing. So hold on to what's possible and whatever gets your engine going and then know that it's only incrementally that you get there. And I think one of the issues that has people then become further stuck is that when they look at where they want to get to, they see that whole thing as a big, massive chunk and don't know how to break it down. And it feels overwhelming when they look at the whole thing, but realize that we only ever get anywhere incrementally. You know, I've got here from starting my business 10 years ago, it's taken 10 years to get here. 10 years, 10 years of every day showing up, which then brings me to the key piece of why do you want that result? And I think that's really, really important. And the thing that was the difference that made the difference to me all those years ago is that I was smacked in the face with the reality that I was a mum with this two-year-old girl who was looking up to me as the model of what a woman is to be in the world. And it's funny because, you know, it led from zero when she was born, she was one, and then she was two. It wasn't until she was two that I kind of got it in a deeper way, like, oh, shit, I'm her mum, and she's not going to have any other role model of what a woman gets to be. So I got to sort myself out. I remember just it was such a moment. I was smacked down by it, like thrown back by it. And up until that point, I'll be honest with you, Juliet, I was still vomiting with bulimia up until that point, looking like I had my shit together, but in the background still, you know, with active bulimia that I was tolerating. Mm. And my point of being smacked, like thrown back in that moment, I just realized that there is no toleration that I can now justify to continue with knowing that she's looking to me. Mm. 
you said something just before that you've been showing up every day for the last 10 years. What, what does showing up every day really mean to you? Hmm. It means knowing in my heart and in my mind's eye what it is that I'm committed to creating. And more than that, I would say one deeper is who I'm committed to being. Yeah. And then on a daily basis is who I'm being showing up, aligning with that. And the answer is frequently no. But the point, and these days too, but the point is in the teeny tiny daily pivots, the point is that I ask myself every day and that's like a um, lighthouse every day to check in and throughout the day because sometimes it is little teeny tiny bits that I go off track and it's then small tiny adjustments just kind of like you know when an airplane takes off yeah it's of course 98 percent of the time but it still gets at its destination because it's doing tiny micro adjustments Mm -hmm. and I think that's a point it's not waiting six or 12 months in the wrong job (laughs) or a bad relationship and then going oh how did I end up in Turkey I was I was going that's (laughs) I love that. That's so good. And you talked about how when people have this dream of what's possible and they have it in such a big chunk and they don't know how to break it down. But I think as well, people get so obsessed with the how and not knowing the how that they just stop and that keeps them stuck as well. So what about like, I mean, I love how we're like five minutes into this interview and we're already halfway through the guts of it. (laughs) I feel like we went straight into the deep stuff, which is what I love. So so, so why do you think people get so caught up on the how, preventing them from even starting that first step? Because I think people are so focused on wanting results. Yes. And not truly, I think it's just an understanding thing. I think it's an understanding thing and where there is a lack of understanding, then there's a misinterpretation of what it actually takes. And what it actually takes, my friends, is daily showing up. There is nothing worthwhile going for that's going to happen in an instant and I think it's an it's it's this fantasy illusion and I think it gets painted in all sorts of ways and I think it also gets painted in a lot of marketing that's out there five steps two in eight weeks you will you know and this is the reality yeah this illusion that there's a right way to do something to get you know two plus two equals four and everyone's so focused on the four that it's like it's like another hidden element of control as well and trying to control outcomes when that's not really possible, is it? Yeah. And I think, you know, like you, we t- you talked about um, being obsessed with getting there fast. And I think, you know, like I'm really obsessed with who we get to become in the process of that journey. Yeah. And I think for me, that's the biggest part. For me, like, honestly, as a woman, I get this, pleasure and this privilege of living this life we're alive you know my brother-in-law died five weeks ago unexpectedly and he doesn't have the privilege of continuing he's he was the same age as me 38 and I I can't tell you the five million ways that that smacked me in the face but I've come out of that even more so just going like holy crap we have the privilege of life yeah and you know while part of me is absolutely still grieving there's another part of me that's just like I'm not I'm not effing around here and I can can hear that in your voice like you were intense at she and you were intense (laughs) I've watched before but now it's like kablamo it's awesome it's so good Mm. and you know this is so 
like this is so cathartic for me as well because honestly the whole three days that she and I was watching you you know facilitate this event and interview people and honestly I feel like you know I know it was a a a, I'm not sucking up to you here but I know it was a workshop and a, a um, an event around women and leadership and you were interviewing all these other women but to, to be honest your demonstration and illustration of leadership for me was so balanced so composed so strong so feminine yet so you know it was I learned so much from you and so I wanted to actually personally thank you for how you really not only were interviewing other people about leadership, but how you were really demonstrating that. And I could see that you were practicing the art of leadership in the whole weekend. And that really shone through for me as an experience. So yeah, I, I wanted to say thank you. Um, how you. was oh, that? I say, thank you for seeing that. I, pre- I really appreciate that. Yeah. 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 Um, I think there was one moment where I saw you going about to go on stage and you were receiving some Reiki beforehand and you were just getting centered. And I just looked at you and I thought, yeah, this is, this is going to be an interesting three days. Like this is good. (laughs) So um, how was that interviewing, you know, people like Lorna Jane, Naomi Simpson, Constance Hall, Ashley Bynes, you know, what did you really learn from interviewing all of those, those women? Wow. I learned a lot. Um, I'm going to pull out a couple of pieces now. One, I learned how much we're all human. Yes. I've just done my own, I've just recorded my own podcast and uh, episode on this particular thing. And it was interesting, up in the green room, you know, we, I had big speakers there. As you said, Lorna Jane, Naomi Simpson from Shark Tank, you know, Maxine Horn, who's Australia's richest female CEO. Big, 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 you know, giants in the business industry and more. And you know what I saw? most, not all, but most, 80% of the big speakers were all nervous before going on stage. Mm. And that was really cool to see. (laughs) It was cool to see. And it was cool to share because, you know, a number of them did share that, but some of them didn't. You know, one of them was so nervous. um, I was asked by her team to go up to the green room to talk her down because she was having, you know, the verge of anxiety. Mm. And I was like, you know what, we're just, it just... It's more of what I already knew about us and what I already know about us, me, and just like human beings, the ones that are alive, is this. We all have self-doubts. We all have fears and concerns. And they mean nothing. They literally mean nothing about our capacity. And the thing is that when we go to step out into a new level, we have those fears and concerns come up natural part of stepping out to a new level but the fears and concerns um, detail of what they tell us is irrelevant it's completely irrelevant to our capacity and our skills and our abilities to go next level so I think that's what I learned but also it was just it was just so fun to play at the next level like on the arena and I want to make a little comment about that we can there's a big difference between talking about our next level or talking about something as if we know it from the inside versus being on the court of that thing as an as-lived experience. And I see a lot of people talk about concepts and theories from the outside looking in, and, and the assumption is that they think they know it, but or we think we know it when we're doing that, but it's nothing like becoming the as-lived experience of that thing. So, for example, you know, I've run events for 10 years now. I've run 
events in four different countries. Um, apart from my small private retreats, you know, there are a minimum of 50 to 200 people per event, you know, big, big events. And 10 years, I thought I knew what it was going to be like to do she. I had no idea. Hmm. It's easy to think we know what that next level is, but until we're willing for ourselves to say, you know what, that thing that I feel called to, I'm going to stop talking about it like I'm going to actually do it and stop pretending that I know what it is and I'm actually going to do it and actually get in the game at that level and become the experience as an as-live thing of the things that I, I want. And therefore, by putting myself in the arena, I am going to, as a result, become the person that I know I'm capable of becoming. And also, I'll get that thing as a result. So that's, that's, that was the cool thing, to be honest, Julie. It was, I thought I knew what she was going to be like, but I never knew until I was actually in that three-day experience. Mm, and I also really enjoyed the dance between your husband, Hanare, and you and facilitating different parts of the workshop and in particular one of the workshops on day one where he, from my perspective, was sort of um, intentionally triggering people in the audience and it was quite incredible to witness and I, I really yeah. enjoyed it and enjoyed sitting amongst women who were nearly standing up and leaving <laughs> because yeah. they didn't know what was happening and I was just sitting there going, this is so brave and intelligent at the same and I said what a gift that he's giving these people to my best friend that was there with me I said what a gift that he's giving these women a safe expression for them to be able to release their anger towards men that they perhaps haven't been able to have <laughs> and that was my take on it but I know every single woman in that room would have had a different take on it but how do you I also teach um, my partner and I teach trainings together like NLP master practitioner trainings and and sometimes it's a balancing act between like like you really have to trust one another when you're facilitating in that way, but also you've both got your own individual awarenesses of what an audience needs. So how do you balance that, that trust and support and tango that with your partner as well? Yep. I think it's a learned thing over time. Mm. To be honest, you know, we've, when I said 10 years, we've been running events together for 10 years. And what was different about this particular event was that people were coming along expecting uh, you know, she and me and women to be up on the stage and they weren't super um, prepared for the context, like a context of being pushed at that level. Does that make sense? Yeah. Whereas we run, Henari, my husband and I, we run five-day advanced leadership experiences together and that's the context that people are stepping into. So, you know, we, we live, everyone lives on site and it's five days with 100 people in the room. And he's the main trainer and I'm like the support person to like iron out the creases as we're going along. Um, so there's context for that. But this part, you know, it felt, it feel, always feels risky. It always feels risky because I'm the kind of person and the kind of trainer that likes to put things in a nutshell that makes sense to people. He's the kind of trainer that pushes people to go beyond where they've currently been and therefore there's more triggering that comes up. So, yeah, it always feels risky. Uh, it challenges me at times. Um, and, yeah, I don't really kind of know how else to explain it. But uh, It's beautiful because that kind of illustrates, yeah, that illustrates the dynamic that my partner and I have. And so it was like, but my partner was not as extreme as Hanare in that sense. He is in different yeah. 
when he's teaching. He's sort of more comfortable letting people really sit in confusion a lot longer than I'm comfortable. And I like to, I like to explain things and give the conscious context. And yeah, so it was really beautiful to see that. But you guys have a, a really unique and a beautiful relationship. But I know like any relationship you've worked, like you've worked hard on it. And I really admire the fact that you said when you guys got married, you invested in marriage counseling rather than a big yeah. wedding. Can you talk about the intention behind that? Oh, absolutely. You know, Hinati and I have been together for 16 years and married for, I think, 12. And when we first met in that first year was actually we were both in, I would say, quite toxic places. It's kind of, to be honest, a miracle that we're still here. Um, But it also shows the power of intention and willingness. And I say that very intentionally because both of us have had to have been intentional and willing. I think if it's just one person the whole time, it's not going to work. Mm. But through intention and willingness, uh, when we decided that we were going to get married and we looked at it, I knew for myself that we had such, so much that we were bringing into it from our childhoods. You know, both of us had pretty intense childhoods in ways and the perfect kind of match to also trigger each other. I, you know, knew that if we were to go into a future together, we had to be ultra accountable and responsible for healing the past stuff. And Hen was very clear about that as well. So, you know, it's, uh, we wanted to be married for an extraordinary marriage, not just a, um, you know, ticking the box and sort of surviving each other and having our kids grow up in something that was toxic. So it was a no brainer to have a BYO afternoon tea for our wedding. And I just, you know, had no shoes on and, you know, borrowed a ring, borrowed a dress kind of thing. Um, but we invested a lot of money into counselling and we're very intentional about why are we together? I think it's a question that a lot of people don't ask themselves. Why are we actually choosing to join for this this lifetime? What does that mean? What are we committed to individually and together? What are the things that, you know, we need to work on? So it was very consciously created very consciously communicated uh for a long time before we got married yep Mm, and that is evident and uh so so what are you two then committed to for the future like what well for you individually and also what is your vision for the future where where kate where kate and hanare going yeah well interestingly we're kind of going on um well hanare is going on a slightly new path but way more aligned for him which is interesting but Myself, what I'm committed to is seeing women over my lifetime, as much as what I can contribute to globally, being absolutely, truly free in what they hear and the ability to cause and create what they're feeling that they're here to cause and create and not being held back by all the BS that we can just so easily get stuck in. Um, Hinari himself, he was, I'd say, really going down the personal development track. He's an extraordinary skilled um, trainer. And he's had a number of things kind of come up lately, including the death of his brother um, five weeks ago. And he's decided to go down a very separate track, which is um, working with men who are are really struggling, like fathers and family men who are really struggling that are on the outside of personal development. Like the kind of guys that are struggling but wouldn't reach out for personal development help. He's going down the track and dedicating himself over the coming years to helping those guys uh, really free of charge. Great. Well, that's 
super so basically how yeah so basically how we've created it is the income comes through my channels which frees him up to work completely voluntarily over the coming years yeah amazing and you guys are based in bali and that's where you why have you chosen to base yourselves there just purely because we can um (laughs) there's this we I, I have decided that there's nothing that I want to say no to because of fear and then have the I wonder if kind of come up. Mm-hmm. And so just the pure fact that I was here on a four-day holiday uh, six years ago, day two, I thought, wouldn't it be cool to live in Bali? Mm-hmm. So we went home and created it. Um, and literally two weeks later, bought one-way flights, purely because there was no real legitimate reason of why not. Yep. Awesome. Oh, that's good. Do you miss New Zealand? Um, miss family, miss family, but, uh, just, I think really in our groove here and it's really meeting our kids needs and stuff. But what we're creating next year is, um, part in Bali, part in New Zealand. So our son can be there for rugby season. And, you know, that just feels cool just about a step back and go, Hey, what, what do we need to create? What are the needs of the family? And just create whatever solution is needed for that. Perfect. I love that lateral thinking outside the box and just finding solutions rather than it just being one way or the other, but how can you actually achieve all of the intentions and and freedom? So did you agree with the statement with great freedom comes great responsibility? Uh, To be honest, I don't feel either way about it. Yeah. I'm just, I'm curious because you know, it's funny. I mean, six years ago, I was sort of stuck in the nine to five hamster wheel where I felt like, you know, I'm born for more than this than to make a money company, lots of money and you know, yep. that be my life. And that's really what spurred on. There were a series of, of at the time, unfortunate, but now in hindsight, fortunate events that then led to me, you know, ending my marriage, quitting my job, doing all that yep. in the space of a year and really freeing myself. And, and it's been really interesting because on definitely on that journey, I've had moments of like, I've cleared it and shifted obviously, but almost feelings at times of like wanting that freedom so much for others that it has felt like a responsibility to help other people find their path and their, their freedom and, and their choices. And I know that that's a, all a, you know, a construct and it's an illusion anyway, but, but what are your thoughts? Like, I know that you really want to help women to find their freedom, but do you have a sense of responsibility around that? Or is that just your, your calling and you're just doing it because it's, it's what you feel you're born to do? Mm, Yeah, I get what you're saying. I have, chosen to make the meaning and whether it's true or not I actually don't know Juliet but it gives me purpose if I have the meaning that I'm here to use my experiences and my skills and my perspectives to help families and women become more free it gives me meaning it gives me purpose and it gets me out of bed and it has me juiced up you know what I mean whether it's true or not who knows maybe maybe there was several different pathways I could have chosen um but I really do also feel quite strongly that everyone has a um, their own choice on what they want to do. So I don't feel any level of responsibility on making anyone change, whether they're in my family, whether they're my husband, you know, even if I'm married to them, still his choice, right? Tell you what, on that note, there's been a number of things over the last 17 years where we've had very different opinions on, and it's still been none of my business what he's chosen. 
None of my business. It's not my business, even though I'm married to the guy, what he chooses to do with his life. And some of those choices are things that a lot of married couples would not allow, right? I have an absolute principle of being hands off other people's lives. Yeah. And that's a very clear principle for me, including in my marriage. So, you know, we have had all sorts of chapters on our relationship and I'm, I'm not going to go into the detail because I think that some people probably would be super triggered by that. We've had oh, many chapters please, with... Please go into the detail and trigger away. <laughs> really? Yes. We said You said that there's nowhere off guard, so don't let me hold us off guard. <laughs> okay, got it. Got it. So we've had, you know, points in our relationship where, uh, like, I know Hinari has wanted to explore sexual relationships with other people. Mm. And was that something that I personally wanted? No, but where does my principle kick in? My principle is to be genuinely hands-off. If that's something that he felt that in his lifetime he wanted to experience, who am I to say you can do that or you can't? Mm. Do you know what I mean? And, and Dora, I'm definitely not saying do you agree. I'm just saying. No, but it's also an indication to the amount of inner work that you have done because I feel like you're right, that that would just trigger and that would just be a a non-negotiable and like a no point even having the conversation. And so that can, in a relationship, create barriers. And Totally, totally. And I'm, I'm actually really excited, to be honest, about this conversation because the, like, for example, we have written a written contract between Hinati and I of what our non-negotiables are. We're very clear that these things are non-negotiable. This would be, this is a deal breaker and these are the, the um, the terms in which I would leave and vice versa. Mm. But anything out of that's up for is preference, is preference. So, you know, there's a difference between non-negotiable and preference. Yes. And so, you know, it's, it, would be my pre, it was my preference at the time that that didn't happen, but it wasn't a, a deal breaker. And also I wanted him, you know, our intention is to be married until we're old and crusty. To be honest, we're not going to be crusty. We're going to be awesome. But you know yeah. what I mean? And so, and so, it would kind of be weird for me to go, no, you can't. And then 30 years later, he never got to experience that as a person. Mm. So, so he went and, you know, well, we actually decided to do it together. And um, there was a whole entire year of conscious communication leading up before we actually did anything. Mm-hmm. So this wasn't like knee-jerk stuff. It was a whole year of talking through every single aspect of what needed to be talked through getting on the same page, making sure that we're aligned, are we clear, talking through anything that came up before we even did anything. And the first thing that we did was super, like, tame. I would say it was, like, R16, not even R18. <laughs> and, then, and it was very clear on what the, you know, the clear lines of boundaries were and, you know, came out of that. And then we talked for a month after that, right? So, and so we basically created a container of, I think it was two years where we just got to explore a lot of stuff. And the cool thing is I actually got to know myself at a whole other level as a result of that experience that I didn't even, I didn't know that I wanted, mm. but I actually like, I want to say I needed it, but I am del- grateful that I had that at those experiences. I got to know myself in a different way. And, and I think, you know, the cool thing is like after those couple, those couple of years that we did that, um, he actually didn't want to do it anymore. He got it fully out of his system. Uh, we closed that chapter off intentionally and consciously, and that's no longer part of our relationship agreement. 
Mm. And but we've carried through with it all of the rich, deep learnings that we got. Me personally, I actually got to know myself as a really sexual woman. And, you know, trust me, we, we both had our own experiences, if that makes sense. I say that with a very much of a twinkle in my eye. Good. Wow. Well, thank you for going there. And I think, you know, it's interesting because so many of the non-negotiables, I think, uh, are ones that have been really dictated by society or blueprints or programming. And it's not necessarily even the individuals, them, their own. They haven't really taken the time to contemplate it, perhaps, because that resistance to a lot of people, I think, just is an initial no. Yeah, 100%. 100%. I think, you know, I really learned and I have learned over my lifetime that there's nothing that I want to just be an automatic no to that comes from a place that I'm not clear where did that the origin of that no actually come from. I'm very clear with being no to what I'm an actual no to, but I think a lot of times we just unconsciously adopt stuff and that we haven't actually explored it ourselves. So it's been interesting for me over the years to be willing to explore my own thinking around stuff and actually come to a place that I know for me what do I actually believe in and do I know that those beliefs are actually mine because I've tested them and I've been willing to have genuine inquiry conversations with myself and you know coming through that I you know I feel it gives me a real I'm just gonna I don't know if this word kind of translates but it works for me it gives me a real backbone in knowing who I am because I know what I believe in. I know what I stand for and what I'm not okay with. I know what my preferences are. I know what my non-negotiables are. And that puts me in a unique place to be able to back myself when I need to be able to back myself and not be pulled off course and to be kind of convinced otherwise. So I think that is a perfect place to let people know where they can continue learning from you because I I really believe that we share a very similar mission and I really I just want to see people in this world living their happiest and most fulfilled versions of their own lives whatever that means to them and um and so I would love if you have any kind of resources or anything that you could share with the listeners that want to learn more from you and maybe get some insights into your into your style yeah cool so if you go to Kate Marie O'Brien dot com forward slash training over there is the full recording of one of the trainings that I did on the main stage on at 